Hi, this is Tony Winyard with episode 8 of Exceeding Expectations. In today's episode, I speak with Brendan Hufford, a wizard on SEO. And if you're not familiar with SEO, it stands for Search Engine Optimization. It's the way, the dark arts, some people say, of, of getting a website to the top of the search engines. Although Brendan doesn't do the dark arts, he does it in a quite an ethical way. But it's how to get your website onto the first page of Google, onto the, the first few results that Google shows. He gives a ton of great information and is someone we can clearly learn a lot from. Please welcome Brendan. Well, here we are for another edition of Exceeding Expectations. And today I have a man by the name of Brendan Hufford. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm great, Tony. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And I've just found out that you're just outside Chicago. I am. And is that where you hail from? Have you always lived around there? Yeah, uh, I actually grew up in upstate New York. So if people are familiar with that, um, kind of on the East Coast, and then I moved around a little bit. And then around high school, I moved out to the Midwest and then back to New York for college and then back out here uh, to kind of start my career. And so what is it that you do now? Right now, I've done a lot of things. Uh, right now, I do SEO, search engine optimization marketing for clients to help them get more leads and more business from their websites. Is that something you've been doing for long? Um, I've been doing it for myself for a long time. I started taking on clients about two years ago. And then a little over a year ago, I was asked to lead the team at an agency here in Chicago. So I have both the kind of work I do on the side, more consulting, um, smaller size clients. And then I have the work, the stuff I do at work that is the like bigger brand uh, kind of SEO. And yeah, it's really cool. I get to lead a team. I have a whole team that I work with uh, at the day job. And I love, love where I work. I get to do the same thing across my whole life, right? Like there's a lot of people that have like a day job, but then they also have something on the side. Like both of my things are the same thing. And it creates right. this flywheel effect of like when I do better at my day job, like my personal clients get better results. Like I just keep getting better and better and better. And it's really from somebody who lived like a double life for 10 years of having a day job that was very different from what he was doing on the side. Uh, it's really wonderful. Well, so now I'm intrigued. So what was it that double life that you used to live then? Yeah. So, Tony, there's this terrible thing that we let 18 year olds do. Uh, they're uh -huh. not... Uh, able to drink at 18 in the United States, but for some reason we send them off to college to get filled <laughs> up with debt and make a make a decision about what career they want to do for the next 50 years. Yep. It's in, like why are we letting 18 year olds make those uninformed, terrible decisions? Like they're probably not going to do that thing. So I got to college and everybody was like, "Hey man, you like school? You should be a teacher." And I was like, "Cool, I'll be a teacher." And I just decided <laughs> at 18. That's right. And I went through school for it and I did it. I, I was a teacher. I was even a principal uh, for two years out of the 10 years that I worked in education. And then eventually I was just like, I want to have a little bit more alignment in my life. So I quit teaching. Um, I literally ended the school year on a Friday and started working at uh, Click Studios, the agency that I work at on a Monday. And so how did that come about? Um, I had been building a lot of things on the side. 
so I built, uh, I was doing a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is kind of how it all started. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a martial art if people are ever f- at all familiar with watching the UFC mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the martial art that's like a lot of the grappling and the chokes. There's no punching or kicking, but it was a martial art I was really passionate about. And I was just sharing it online and in all these forums. And then eventually I was like, I'm answering all these questions. I should just make a website about this. I didn't know anything about it. So I made a website. One day, some guy emailed me. He's like, hey, if you write about my product on your website, I'll send it to you for free. And I was like, all right, that's a thing. And this was mm-hmm. like way before anybody knew about influencer marketing or, you know, it was before Instagram and any of that. So I became mm-hmm. kind of an influencer in the space. I ended up starting my own uh, apparel review website and then eventually my own apparel brand. I just kept scaling up, right? Like, why don't I have a whole website about reviews where I can make money and you know, gave advertisers and sponsors and affiliates and stuff. And then I saw the money I was making for other people. And it was like, well, if I'm making them all this money, why don't I have my own brand and I can make this money for myself? And it just kind of mm. kept scaling just one thing and form the next and form the next. Did you kind of teach yourself SEO? Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't. Uh, I think most of the people, this is a very uh, strong opinion, but I'm a man of strong opinions. I think most people that say they do SEO don't know what they're doing. They're just reading blog posts about SEO written by people who write about SEO on their SEO blog about SEO. And they don't, it gets very uh, robotic and kind of insular where we're all just parroting each other. Nobody's actually trying new things. Very few people are trying new things and very few people are working with clients. They're not actually putting it into action. The only Mm. case study they have is the SEO of their SEO blog, which could not be a worse real world example. Because it's mm. just, it's, it is such a weird, it's like having a, talking about the success of your YouTube channel that's all about starting a YouTube channel. Like, of course, mm. it's going to be successful. You've never tried, mm. like, the, it's, it's, a, it's a very weird, or like podcasts about podcasting. No offense to any of those things, but like, don't use that as your core case study. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I taught it to myself. I think there's uh, a lot of, misinformation out there around it. I I went through all of those struggles trying to do all the things the gurus told me to do and they didn't work or they wouldn't scale. They scaled Mm. terribly and I burned myself out a bunch of times. Um, Mm. And now I have the good fortune of not only doing it for myself, uh, we teach a course at the University of Chicago um, for a a graduate degree and around SEO and analytics and marketing. And I get to kind of teach this stuff the right way. But I wouldn't say I'm self-taught because like, you know, I didn't just sit in a room and like think these things up. I had really, I just invested my education. I found the really smart people that were doing Mm -hmm. it for clients, not just talking about it. I invested in their products. I invested in their time and kind of learned it from that. You mentioned that you're, you're teaching this to, to people in the university. Are you also still working as well or are you just, just teaching? Oh no, I'm still, yeah, I'm still working. I have a big stable of clients at Click Studios that I work with. And then I have a kind of a smaller set of more like intimate clients that I work with personally. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think you can teach things if you're not still doing them to a certain degree, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think you still need to have some sort of involvement. Otherwise, you just end up parroting what other people try to talk about. For example, I have a website. I started a website about uh, teaching the business, online marketing to photographers. I had a bunch of friends that were photographers. A a lot of my personal clients are photographers. And I realized they weren't good at uh, online marketing. So I made this Mm -hmm. website for them. And a lot of what I see other people putting out because uh, they're retired photographers who teach the business of photography. So I guess kind of like my competitors, but not really. 
Um, Mm -hmm. they're grasping at straws. They're trying to talk about use this strategy or use this strategy, but I know they've never tried it because they haven't been running a photography business for the last 10 years. How do you Mm -hmm. know if Instagram is a good tactic for photographers? How can you talk about these things if, you know, for wedding photographers, if you, you haven't ever done it in your own business and you don't take on clients? My unfair advantage is that I still have active clients in these areas so I can see what they're doing. I see what's working for them. And when I talk about it, it's done from an informed place. Most of what I teach at the university is, is literally just me doing what I'm doing right now, Tony, just getting up and telling stories and sharing examples. It's not uh, theories or you know whatever else. It's, it's very personal. What type of clients are you working with? That's a good question. Um, so personally, I have kind of the spread, I guess personally and professionally, I have a whole spread of clients uh, all the way from local businesses like window washers and uh, wedding photographers and interior designers, all the way up to big uh, global cycling brands and startups that have raised, you know, $100 million in venture capital and things like that. So it's, it's quite a range. Um, and I love it because it's each one of those has a very unique problem to solve and a different way to win. SEO is not like one formula for everybody. So um, what's really cool with working with that spread, again, kind of like what we're talking about here is like the relationships are very different and what they need and want from you is very different. So creates a kind of everyone is their own uh, Rubik's Cube to solve, so to speak. I guess that gives you a lot of variety, which makes it less uh, tedious. Like some people have a don't really enjoy what they do. Clearly, you do enjoy what they do. And is that as a result of working for so many different types of people? So I think it's a result of a couple of things. Um, it's a result of the work being very aligned with my skill set and my personality. So for instance, I am uh, just naturally a very competitive person. I like to win uh, in search because there's only only one person can rank first for a topic or a keyword. Hmm. Uh, if I'm winning, somebody else is losing, hmm. right? And I like that. Right. I like the I like that. I like um I like client services. I guess is my second unfair advantage. Uh, I like the punch in the teeth nature of this business is it's not like oh it's not like i'm running like a subscription company where it's like oh four people canceled their subscriptions bummer no like when i when somebody cancels working with me or somebody uh, doesn't have budget for next year because whatever didn't get approved like that's a punch in the teeth and i have to like take the punch and keep moving forward and, and i'm well suited to that mm. um probably just from my jujitsu background, like being just humbled on a daily basis by other people. Mm. And then I think the the third one is my wife observed this the other day. She kind of pointed out to me because she's smarter than me. I definitely married up. <laughs> uh, she pointed out to me, we were talking about high school sports and she, she like didn't care in high school about sports. She did them, but like could not have possibly cared any less about it. Mm. I, on the other hand, cared a lot, but I was, Tony, I was really bad. Right. I was really bad at sports yeah. in high school. And I was the worst person on the rugby team, the worst person on the hockey. Like I was the worst kid that still made the team. I never got cut, but I never played. Mm. And my wife, her name's Liz. She's like, why wouldn't you just quit? Mm. Why didn't you just quit doing it? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, I think that's why you are how you are. Mm. Like you'll just keep doing it and keep doing it until you find your fit and you find your thing. Like I just kept playing sports. And now into adulthood, I've found my, th- I'm good, really good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, I found my thing I'm really good at and I'm going to keep going. And that's the same skill set that applies to my work. Um, and it wasn't always this way. Teaching was not this way for me. Hmm. I just had to build my life very intentionally with 
looking at like what the actual work was like, not the money, not the results. Like what does the day-to-day work look like? And am I good at that? Am I, I think we're all happier when we're good at our work, right? No matter how much we get paid or yeah. no matter what freedoms it affords us, like it's, it's better when you're good. Yeah. And do you have a preference for the teaching side or the business side or, or both? I, I mean, I think I'm always going to be a teacher. I've put in my uh, Malcolm Gladwell, like 10,000 hours being up in front of people. I was not a confident young man in high school or college. And just being up in front of people so much, especially being up in front of 14 to 18 year old teenagers that you are there literally walking in every day, like, sell me this, mm. sell me this because I do not want it. Mm. I had a hostile group that I was trying to sell something to eight hours a day, every day. Um, so, and I love, I don't know that there's nothing better. The thing with SEO is it can be kind of like sorcery mm. and it's kind of, you know, people act like it's some sort of mystery. It's not that hard. It's not that even very complicated. Mm. It's just hard to scale and it's hard to do well. So mm. there's a bit of client education that goes along with it. And I love that. I love building those deep relationships and being able to educate my clients and, and things like that. So I don't know. I think that it really goes hand in hand. Um, I think that all around, and if we look at like how I do my work, how I build links for clients or I make content for clients, it's teaching, it's relationships, it's education. So Mm. I think it it all pairs together really nicely for me. And as far as over delivering is concerned, is is that easier to do in a business relationship uh, than it is in in a school relationship? That's a good question. So over delivering in a school relationship for me uh, really looked like just caring about my students. Mm. Uh, It's the same in a business relationship. I just care about the people and I care about the work. And students, um, especially in areas where I taught, right, on the south side of Chicago and in Gary, Indiana, are two of two areas where kids are typically in an environment that is going to hinder them from being successful. It's not an environment they've chosen to be into. It's just the cards they've been dealt. Mm. And being possibly for some of them the first teacher that has ever looked at them and be like this is this ain't it man Mm. this ain't this is not what god has for you this is not what i see for you this is not what your future should look like this is not it what you're doing right now is not it and i'm going to help you fix it and i'm going to help you when you hate me and i'm going to help you when you don't want to be helped and eventually after a month or two you're going to get it that i'm not going away and i care and i love you and i'm gonna help you whether you want me to or not Hmm. And that's the kind of like, that's what it looked like there. And now in doing client services, and I guess the, the bridge between them was me starting my jujitsu company and over de- learning to over deliver for customers who my clients pay me a lot of money. Each customer was a small amount of money, hmm. but it was still reverse engineering. How can I over deliver for every single customer? Make this the most amazing experience they've ever had buying a product like this hmm. and figuring that out. And then just, I just continue to scale that up. I mean, when your clients, when I have my SEO clients paying me a ton of money, I can really over deliver for them because I'll just reinvest that back into their experience with me, into our relationship. You know, and they're kind of, yes, they're paying for their own, like they're paying for it, I guess. But I would love that. There's, <laughs> there's plenty of companies, Tony, I'm sure you've paid a ton of money to that have not invested in their relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like how, I, what kind of, not that it's relevant, I'm not like comparing, but like what kind of car do, do you drive? Do you have a car? Yeah, I have a VW, Volkswagen. Awesome. Do you feel like Volkswagen's ever invested in their relationship with you? Never. How, 
but you've given them a ton of money. Like you would think that they could just throw like for every, like what if Volkswagen revolutionary thing just said for every person that buys a car, we're going to take $300 of this. And over the next three or four years, we're going to, we have their address. We have their, all this stuff. We're just going to systematically just do stuff. We're going to figure out, do they have kids? And on the, uh, a month before school, we're going to send them a backpack for their kid to go back to, not a Volkswagen backpack, nothing branded, just, Hey, um, we know your, your kid is starting school this year. Here's a, we just want to make sure they had a backpack. Hmm. You would buy Volkswagen for the rest of your life. Your children would buy Volkswagens like that hmm. type of stuff I'm obsessed with. And I think it, it, it's a really cool, but B just like the right thing to do by people, you know? So what kind of things do you do to, to over deliver for your clients? When I was doing the jujitsu business, um, a jujitsu uniform, if you're not familiar with jujitsu, it's, uh, similar to in the martial arts sense, it's similar to judo. Yeah. So the uniforms you're familiar with judo. Yeah. Great. So the uniforms are, you know, thick, they're meant to be ripped and pulled and, and not fall apart. If you do that with like a karate uniform, you tear it in half within a week. Mm. Um, I grew up doing karate, so I know this. Mm. But uh, so they ha- they're very thick. They're very big. They're bulky. So what I would do is I would buy these big uh, kind of white boxes. I feel like everybody, Amazon, everybody ships in brown boxes. I want to ship in a white box because I want when you see it on your doorstep, I want you to know that that is the box you ordered. Mm-hmm. Right. And I got obsessed with packaging. And the experience. So when you order from me, you order on the website, it's all pretty standard, straightforward. Immediately you get an email. Um, I pretty much just, uh, not stole, but we'll maybe in like an uh, Austin Cleon is a, a writer. He has this book called Steal Like an Artist, mm-hmm. which is based off of kind of like a, I think it's a Picasso quote about like stealing and then like making it better. Mm-hmm. So I stole an email I had seen from a guy named Derek Sivers who had a company called CD Baby. I know Derek that Sivers. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you ordered the CD from him, he sent you this insane yeah. email of like how it was coming off of a velvet shelf and floating down a raft and all of the, uh, you know, they put it on a, the CD Baby private jet to your doorstep. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to do that too. I got so many replies from that confirmation email. It just went out automatically in my system. But like so many people replied to that and they were just like, that's the funniest thing. And I I made it on brand for me. Very kitschy. My brand was very much about like kids in the 80s and 80s cartoons and um, all of these, uh, like a lot of like anime stuff. So it was all in there. And if you were on brand and you bought the stuff and then you got this email, you probably became a fan for life. So it started with the email and then you get the package and the white box and it's got a little sticker on it and it says like, wait, before you open this, go to this web address on your phone and you load it up and it starts automatically playing the theme song from Karate Kid at, and it has like a personal thank you from me. So this is before you even opened it <laughs> and you're opening it. Uh, the theme from Karate Kid is a song called You're the Best. Mm-hmm. So as you're opening it, the tab that you see first, I like hand wrote a note on every single one because I'm insane. I didn't have a ton of money, but I had time. So I'd hand write these things mm-hmm. and I hand wrote like, you're the best. So you hear it in your ear and then you see it and then you open the top. And I've, I, sometimes I would draw custom pictures, like illustrations for people and at least like a giant handwritten note on the inside. And they see their uniform in here and it's wrapped in uh, one of my big brand colors was orange. Terrible decision, Tony. Most people do not like orange. Probably should have researched that first. Uh, so I, it was orange tissue paper and orange confetti paper. And there's trading cards in there and action figures things that they didn't even pay for but like things that were on brand for me that you would put on your desk and it would remind you forever of this purchase you made and all these things so they get it and they finally have opened their uniform i have 
I literally have a folder on my computer of all of the people who posted a picture of their open box on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere, because they were just like, this was, it was like, uh, you know, like Christmas morning for them. They were just like, this is the best present. This is better than the presents I opened on Christmas. It was amazing. Um, And I just like became obsessed. And I stole a lot of that from the ideas from a company called Johnny Cupcakes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, It's a clothing company. But the inside of their store looks like a cupcake shop. And I I was in one of them in Boston. They have stores everywhere. Uh, And I was in their Boston store. And people kept coming in thinking it was a cupcake store. And they were livid when they found out all they sold was t-shirts <laughs> but it's such an like they give you when you buy something from their store they give it to you in a uh, little box that's reminiscent of like a like a dunkin donuts uh donut hole box mm-hmm. all of these things um i don't know i've just i guess this, i say all that to kind of lead up like it's in my podcasting too i have a podcast called the entrepreneurs and coffee podcast and Mm. I do. I like overdo research on people I'm going to interview. Mm. And I was interviewing a guy named Corbett Barr. And I asked him a question. I heard on another podcast in my research, a story he told uh, about when he was like 20. Something happened when he was 20. And I asked him about it on my podcast. And he literally paused. There was just this pause beat of, and he says, wow, you really did your homework. Mm. And like instantly, like I'd over delivered, like, our relationship was two levels deeper than anybody who, you know, who else's podcast he'd ever been on. And like, that was important to me. And I try to do that same thing now. Sorry, it's the longest answer ever to your question. Um, I try to do the same thing now for my client, my SEO clients. Hmm. So, you know, one of the ways that I do that is I'll send them a, we, we operate on contracts. So it's not like month to month. We know that SEO takes time and to see really good results. So we have a set number of con- set uh, timeline of contracts: six month, twelve month, eighteen, twenty four months, whatever. Hmm. And I'll send them a box that's just like a big flat box and a wooden box, really nice wooden box, mm-hmm. and it has three kind of slats that open on the top. So there's three kind of compartments, mm-hmm. and the first compartment says kickoff, and then the second one might say like three months, and the last one says six months. Mm-hmm. And the kickoff, they open it, and there's a note from me and a bottle of wine. And it's like, wow. And then when we've been working together three months, sometimes they'll forget they have it. They'll just put it in a closet. And they'll, I'll just say, hey, open that. It's been three months. We're killing it. Open up that middle thing. And like, you know, hope you're having an awesome day. And then there's either, there's like another bottle of wine in there. Or there's something else cool in that middle one. Hmm. And they're like, wow, I, I remember how much I love this guy. And then at six months, which is the time that most contracts are ending and we're kind of going just month to month. Mm-hmm. I really want to shore up that relationship and I want to over deliver. So not only am I over delivering in my services and we can talk about that too, but just really surprising and delighting them. So at six months, it's like, Hey, look, like I sent you this box six months ago. I'm, I'm confident that I stuck a note in here six months ago that I know we were going to kill it. I know that this strategy is going to work. I'm just, i I've got a note in there that says, like, I know this worked, right? Didn't it? And they, it has worked. And they're like, wow, yes. Like, they love that confidence. They love working with a professional that knows what they're doing and is confident in executing on that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was able to, it's been sitting in their closet for six months. And I predicted that it, we, what we were going to do is going to work amazingly. And it has. Um, that means a lot. So I get the impression then from the way that you're over delivering to the clients you're working with, you're you're therefore getting quite a few referrals. So referrals are an interesting thing for me. Um, I get, yes, like most of the work, most of uh, 
I do get a lot of referrals. Referrals are not always the best fit, mm-hmm. um, just because. And I'm sure you experience the same thing, right? Are you are you a wedding DJ, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, how what is your experience with referrals? Usually, it's good because they've usually seen me working, so they know exactly what it is that I can do. If it's someone refers me who, and then the person they refer me to hasn't seen me working, then it can be a then it can be a different experience. Yeah. Got it. So the best ones are the ones that have like been, they've seen you actually in the act and it's like, oh, so I did this event. They saw me there. The person that was running the event was like, yeah, you should hire him too. Hmm. And then they do. They've kind of both seen you. So with SEO, like they can't really see what I'm doing. Yeah. So sometimes I get referrals and it's just, it's, it's uh, really well-intentioned, but it's not a great fit, right? right? Um, just because they don't, the other person you know, the referral doesn't mean they know what SEO is, that Mm -hmm. they value me as a person, like all of these things. Now, some of my best clients, I'll be really honest with you, have come through from referrals, right? A lot of my best clients have come from referrals. And I think that's a really great way to work. Um, I think it's really helpful. I just think you have to be have a really good, strong system. I was just reading something this morning from a guy named Brennan Dunn, who is just this really smart person that does a lot of education for agencies and freelancers and stuff. And he was just talking about having a really good sales system. I don't do any sales. I don't cold email. I don't cold call. Um, I don't even compete with the people who try to rank for like SEO terms, right? I'm not trying to rank for like Chicago SEO agency or Chicago SEO consultant or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Cause those leads just tend not to be very good. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a lot of work to rank for those. So I don't try. And a big thing is just like having a really good onboarding process, a really professional sales process so that they look at you when they're going through it and they know through the process before you even get into working together, like, am I a good fit for working with Brendan or not? And that's been really helpful for me in kind of filtering those uh, referrals. So I, I would imagine, um, I mean, not, I'm no expert on SEO, but I would imagine people that come to you, what they want is to get on page one, ideally in a fantasy world to get to the first position on page one. So how are you able to over deliver on those kind of expectations? So great. So I think the best way that I over deliver is, is maybe let's do two ways. Um, number one, I'm going to educate them. I'm going to help them understand that ranking Number one, for the term they think they need to rank for is maybe not as important as they think. If you want to rank number one for Cancun wedding photographer, that's super important to you, your wedding photographer in Cancun. And I say to you, um, there's only 30 people that search that every month. Hmm. And you're like, oh, well, I'm kind of obsessed. I really want to be number one for Cancun wedding photographer. I'm like, cool. That's going to be a ton of work. You're going to put thousands of dollars into that. And it's maybe going to bring 10 or 15 people to your website every month. Yeah. Or or what we can do is we can say here's a venue by where I live in Cancun. Mm-hmm. And 600 people per month search for that venue plus wedding photos. Mm-hmm. Have you shot at that that venue? And they're like, "Yeah, absolutely. I've shot there 100 times." Cool. So you have a lot of photos of the venue. Why don't we put together an ultimate guide to getting married there? And all throughout the, the guide is your photos and mm. your personal advice on everything they need to know. Uh, don't go up on the roof. T- anytime past September, don't have your wedding on the roof. It, the, pictures lo- the pictures look nice, but what you don't see is it's freezing. You think it's Mexico, but it's super cold. So don't do a wet, like 
there's nowhere else they're going to read that advice. And as soon as they read that advice, it's like, boom, this is my person. And it's more traffic. And that education is like, they're like, whoa, I thought I just ranked number one for Cancun wedding photographer. My problems were solved. It's like, no, no, no. There's way better ways to do this. And they're not going to expect to go to someone who they think is just simply doing SEO to start advising them about putting a, a pamphlet together or, you know, a booklet together. And that's, yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Or even, not even that, but like, let's make the, it, like, let's make a whole uh, webpage about it. Let's make a 6,000 word guide, the ultimate guide to getting married at this venue. And then you're going to rank for that too. So the mm. 600 people a month that are looking for wedding photos at that venue, if they go to Google, they'll see you first, your guide. And then if they click on Google images, they're going to see 20 of your images mixed into there. They're probably mm. going to click, like if your images are the best images at that venue, which you believe them to be, um, I, they should stand out and you should get traffic from that. They should be able to see your photos in the Google images for that venue. Most people, this is something I've learned just working with photographers. Most people, uh, there's a strong decrease in like location-based searches anymore mm-hmm. and a lot more for venue-based searches. So people okay. already book their venue and then they're like, well, I want somebody who's shot here before. I want mm-hmm. somebody who's played here before. I want somebody who knows the venue and is not, you know, knows how to navigate. Well, the plugs over on the east wall don't work too well. So uh, I learned that last time. So I already, and you can bring that expertise and that's kind of helping them leverage their unfair advantage. And a lot of, they can tell a good SEO from a bad SEO by, do they have that kind of knowledge? Do mm. they, are they willing to put in the strategy? Is the, is the strategy just, we'll rank you number one for $99, like run away, please run away. Cause that person has no idea what they're doing. Um, if they're giving you a price before they even know the effort, that's like you quoting a price before you even know what they want. Just be like, oh, it's a hundred dollars. And they'll be like, well, we, you don't even know what we want. Doesn't matter. Mm. Like, yeah, they'd be yeah. like, you're an amateur. Like, I don't, you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, that, that education part is really, really big for me. You go about things in a very different way to, I mean, I've spoken to many different SEO people over the years and you, you clearly go about things in a very different way. Yeah. So a big part of the over delivering uh, for me has always been stealing from other industries, right? Stealing from, I mean, that's what I do. I never want to go to, I don't, I wouldn't, I didn't, wouldn't, I've never been to an SEO conference. Mm. I don't know why I would want to learn just what other SEO people are doing. Mm-hmm. I want to learn the secrets of like, how do real estate agents, what is their client experience like? What is your client experience like as an attorney? I want to go to those conferences. I want to go to those meetups and I want to steal that stuff. I want, I, that's why I stole like Derek Sivers email and the stuff from Johnny Cupcakes and all of these other things. When I was doing podcasting, I wasn't really listening to other podcasters. I was listening to professional interviewers. I was listening to uh, late night television. I was looking at uh, one of the things I did was, you know, trying to just set up uh, questions ahead of like people are like, well, I don't want to do questions ahead of time on a podcast because you know, I want them to be fresh. And it's like, no, 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 you want a great conversation. You want them to know what you're going to ask so they can have the best answer. They're not stumbling. They're not doing any of these things. And now mm-hmm. with, with SEO, the a big thing, as far as over-delivering, like a big thing that I've leveraged that I've taken from other industries is using video, mm-hmm. sending video updates every single month. You can use a Soapbox or Loom or any of these free things. Just setting up a deck, going through it, that's all visual talking through it, letting them know where you're at, what you're excited about, what the big wins are, um, where just kind of monthly reporting every single month. And I do that over video. Sometimes we'll do it together, but a lot of times I like doing it for video because you might consume it at two in the morning. You might Mm. want to watch it on two X. I mean, I talk fast. I don't mean to sound like a used car salesman. It's just how excited I get about things. 
Mm. But like I, uh, I, you might want to watch it at two X speed because you got you only got five minutes and it's a ten minute video and you, we can't do that on a call. So mm. you know, just trying to take from as many other industries as possible, and then just always trying. I would say the biggest industry, and people are probably going to just you're nodding along with me now as I'm saying this. Like the biggest industry I'm, I've stolen from is education. Mm. Of just everything is going to be teaching. And everything is meant for you to understand. I don't want you, I never want to get an email from a client that's like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's working great. Because the problem is, as soon as it's not working great, you don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And you don't even know that I'm working. And I learned that early on, right? I learned that with one of my first clients. They were like, hey, uh, we don't know what you're doing. Uh, We don't really understand this. We think that the results might have actually been because of what we're doing. And (laughs) I didn't have any, I didn't have enough of a relationship with them to uh, have the time and space to explain mm-hmm. that the fact that they wrote one blog post was not what, what got them the results during those six months. So, <laughs> right. yeah, as, as much as I can take from other industries, I, I really, really do, especially when it comes to client experience and re- any industry, just because in SEO, it's worked a lot. On, it's 100% on retainer. So mm-hmm. any other industry where they have retainers, I'm always like interested in that. So when you meet with a potential client, how I'm just trying trying to think, how do you set the expectation levels for them? So I try to set the expectation levels with uh, here's what the goals are. Here's what your goals are. Uh, this is just classic, like, um, I guess, like sales 101 of we did a discovery, right? We talked about what your goals were. Now, when I'm talking about what I'm going to do, I'm going to use your language back to you. You mm. said your goals were this here's how we're going to meet them. And I give them the strategy. Mm. I put it in a visual form of like, here's what I'm working on every month for the next six months. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. Here's why I think it's going to work. If Mm. we're seeing it's not working, here's what I will change. And I want them to know that like, you're not paying for my hours. You're Mm. not paying for a page one ranking. You're definitely not paying for links. That's something Mm. I ran into early on. Clients would be like, send me all the links you made. And it's like, it's not (laughs) what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. That's muddying the waters. Because if you pay me $1,000 a month and the strategy only calls for two links this month in your uneducated client brain, you're like, I paid $500 a link? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, A, uh, it's against Google's terms of service to sell links. Like links are a part of my strategy because they have to be. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it's not you're, not, you're not buying links off of me. And I'm mm-hmm. not that type of, like those in the SEO industry, the people that sell the links are the sketch balls. Like we are not those people. Mm-hmm. And you're paying for the strategy. So I give you the strategy and then I give you the monthly reporting. Did my key, did my overall keywords go up? Great. Did my page one keywords go up overall, like the number of them? Good. We want to see the rising tide. And that's mm-hmm. a big place that I, I kind of, the rising tide raises all boats. And I want to focus on the rising tide. I don't want to focus on, well, I'm not, I was number one. Cause then you get those crazy emails at 2am. That's like, I just Googled myself and I'm number two now. Why? <laughs> well, right. your competitor just got four links from the New York Times, mm-hmm. I can't control that. You're number yeah. two now because they got some really good links and it's going to take some time. That's the thing. Like you're running sometimes, you know, I am very competitive, but we have to realize like we're running a race and what we're trying to do is run our best race. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like we want to win, but if somebody else comes in and they're running their best race too, like it's not enough to just like sometimes holding even and not losing ground is a mm-hmm. win. Yeah. And you have to educate the client on that as well. 
we've time has absolutely flown by. I can't believe it's how fast <laughs> it's gone. And I want to be respectful of your time. But before we finish, is there any? I mean, what is your take on over delivering? What would you about the whole concept? What do you feel, feel think about it? Uh, I got asked the other day about uh, what the future of SEO is, and I think the future of SEO is. And this is, I would argue, for everybody listening to this, no matter what business you're in, please steal from that, like steal from me, steal from the stuff I've stolen from others, right? Uh, <laughs> buy the book by Austin Kleon called Steal Like an Artist. Uh, right. You know, make use of everything you're learning here. And like, I think the biggest thing about the future of SEO is going to be client education. Mm-hmm. Google's changing a lot. The Google there, I did a Google search the other day for a keyword that my client uh, wants to rank for. And we've created this great content around it. And they're like eighth on page one. But what Google's done is at the top, there's an advertisement. There's a featured snippet. There's an info box. And then there's five related questions. So above the fold, the fold is what you have to scroll mm-hmm. past. So like, you know, it's what you see on the screen when you initially load. Above the yeah. fold, there is only one link. It used to right. be in the past, like the top five were above the fold and then there were five more below it and maybe some ads. But Google is doing so much to treat it like a social network now. Google wants to keep you in Google until you click an ad. Mm. They know you're not going to get annoyed and go to Bing. Nobody goes mm. to Bing unless you're like my grandfather. And like, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I probably just really offended somebody that's like, I love Bing. <laughs> Bing's great. It's fine. It's good if it works for you. It doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Um, but my point is Google's trying to keep you in Google to see that ad revenue go up. Like they can pretend they're about self-driving cars and Google Glass and the future and whatever. They're an advertising company. It's what they are. It's mm-hmm. how they make 99% of their revenue. So mm-hmm. they're going to keep you in Google. And I have to educate my clients about that. My clients are like, "What? you know, I'm sure this client is going to ask like, hey, I'm ranking number one. How come I'm not getting anybody to this article? And it's like, well, look what Google did. And I mm-hmm. want to tell them that now that they're ranking eighth. So they mm-hmm. can see... Like, wow, he's proactively searching. He's proactively, and I can just shoot off a quick two-minute video. Hey, I saw this today, blah, blah, blah. I just want to share it with you. Um, this isn't, we're not going to change strategy right now, but this is going to inform us going forward. I just want to let you know we're, we're monitoring it. This is really important to us. Your work and the work we're doing together is super important. So I just want to make sure you saw this. Um, we're going to see more and more of this in the next six months. Google might back off from it uh, because it's a bad experience and people are getting frustrated and clicking away from Google. Uh, but uh, for right now, this is what we're dealing with. Just want to give you a heads up. Hope you're having a great day. And that's mm-hmm. that's it. And those little quick videos, seeing my face, hearing my voice, like that's very much over delivering because their their inboxes are full enough as it is. Mm-hmm. They don't need a, a 500 word email from me with 10 screenshots. Mm-hmm. And like any chance I can over deliver there with more education. I just think in every industry, every example you could give me of everybody who's listening to this podcast and all the other guests you've had on this podcast, Tony, I really believe they could win more. They could over deliver by better educating their clients, not on Mm. their services, but just on what the clients want, Mm. right? Like what do your clients want? They want uh, an amazing event that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. They're Mm. not going to remember the every single song they hear. They're not going to remember every single dance they do. They're not going to remember every single second of that, but they're going to have this strong feeling of, did you add to the event or subtract from the event? Mm -hmm. And like, we want to make sure that we leave them with this. Like they had an amazing event. So the more you can help them have that amazing event uh, by educating them better uh, and possibly more, uh, even in areas away from your core services, the the more uh, you can over deliver, I think. 
And and by doing those personal videos, I mean, there's nothing that far surpasses any email. You know, it's such a personal service that you're offering someone. And it's obvious that when they see the video as well. Totally. And what if you, uh, Tony, there's a thing called uh, Bonjoro, B-O-N-J-O-R-O. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an app on your phone. You can hook it up to your email list. When you get mm-hmm. a new lead, if somebody opts in uh, on your, you know, your website, you can mm-hmm. literally just fire off a quick video from your phone. Hey, what's up? This is Tony. I just saw you opted in on my website. This is not a pre-recorded video. Like, hey, Lisa, like just say their name, make that mm-hmm. connection right away. I'm going to let you know, I'm going to read through your whole email and every, all the stuff you put on the forms, but I just want to let you know, I got it. Hope you're having a great day. And you just fire mm-hmm. that off to them. And instantly they're like, oh my gosh, this guy just sent me a custom video. What? Like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. It took you 15 seconds. Yeah. And that's a different level. Absolutely different level. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm over. It's funny. Cause I don't like, I'm, I'm a Google search guy, right? Like mm. I'm it's Google primarily as an index of words, not video, mm. not images. And you'd think that I'd be super focused on words, but the way to over deliver to the way I do my work is words. The way I over deliver to clients is definitely with video. Well, Brendan, this has been fantastic. Before, before we go, what you mentioned about the podcast you have. So tell the listeners a little bit more about your podcast. Oh, yeah. It's called Entrepreneurs and Coffee. Um, it is very much my two favorite thing, talking business, drinking coffee. And um, mm. if you go to, just because you're probably like me, you have no idea how to spell entrepreneur, uh, probably a bad idea to put a word in the title of your podcast that you're <laughs> bad at spelling. Uh, people can check it out. It's just the letter E, E and coffee, all written out. E and coffee.com takes you right to the podcast. Uh, about half the episodes are me just kind of sharing my uh, business journey and things I've learned, things like I'm sharing right now. And then the other half is me interviewing people, kind of similar to this as well. Uh, just people that I've wanted to talk to and people I think could be helpful uh, in others in their business journey. Fantastic. Well, there'll be a link to that in the show as well as some of the books you mentioned and the app you mentioned. I'll, I'll have links to all of that in the show notes as well. Wonderful. So, Thanks so much for having me on, Tony. I hope this has been helpful for everybody listening as well. There's been some amazing information you've given. I mean, really amazing information. So I, I think people are going to be thrilled with, with some of the things that you've given them to, to think about. So yeah, thank you very much, Brendan. Wonderful. Thanks, Tony, for the opportunity. Next week, episode nine, we hear from Jim Cerrone, aka The Perfect Host. And coincidentally, he also lives just outside of Chicago. He's a wedding MC and DJ and extremely well respected in his industry. Thank you for listening once again. I would love it if you were able to subscribe and even better if you could leave a review. And do get in touch if you know of somebody who really goes out of their way to over deliver to their clients. Thank you very much and I'll see you soon.